this episode, we are discussing mediumship. We go over some of the history of mediumship, give you some exercises to do to increase your mediumship abilities, and also talk about what the experience is like, including some of our listeners' stories as well. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie. I have a really fun topic for us today. I think we should talk about mediumship. What do you think? Ooh, people are going to love this. <laughs> I I love this topic. I'm going to share some like personal stories of it. I I once was a medium. I mm-hmm. um, and I, I definitely have that ability. It's not like the main thing that I do, but I know some things about it. So I'm going to share my stuff. Um, but I want to also talk about the history, like where this comes from. Um, and kind of maybe the surprising roots of it. So what do you think? I love that because I don't think anyone talks about that stuff. Yeah, I like that stuff. And then I'm also, I have a couple of exercises at the end that I'm going to give everybody that they can go do, whether you're like, you've been a, you're a professional medium and you want like a fun new exercise or you've never tried it before. These, there, there are two to choose from and they'll both work. Oh, perfect. Okay. And we want you guys to tell us, some feedback about them. Like if you go try them, make sure you tell us what it was like. We'd love hearing that. Yeah, always. All right. So I want to start by telling you the definition of a medium. All right, let's hear it. (laughs) Because I feel like this is confusing. And after I tell you the definition, I'll tell you where I think the confusion comes in. Okay. So the definition of a medium is someone who is able to communicate with the dead. Okay. I'm with you. Simple explanation. It is also sometimes called a spirit medium. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's where I think the confusion comes in. I don't think people understand the difference between the terms like spirit and angels and ancestors. Like, I think people get kind of confused. So I think this would be a good thing to address right here. I agree. Okay. So, a spirit, when most people are referring to spirits, they're referring to um, somebody who has crossed over to the other side, someone who has passed on. Most of the time, if you're going to a medium, you're looking to communicate with your spirit ancestors or your ancestors in spirit. Right. Some people confuse it with like, are your spirits your angels? Cause like, that's kind of like a sweet term to say like my grandma is my guardian angel. Um, but if you're going to be technical about this stuff, that's actually not correct. Okay. Got it. Angels are just like higher beings. They weren't like once human and passed on. So there is a difference between those two things. Now do people who are mediums a lot of time also talk to like angels and things like that? Yes. But there is a difference. Most of the time, if you're going to a medium or you're trying to practice mediumship, it's to communicate with spirit. Yes, got it. That makes sense. Side note here, and I really want your opinion on this. Um, I don't like the term spirit. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, I really don't. Because it makes people think of ghosts and it's it takes us away from what we're really doing, which is just communicating with our ancestors. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. And I think that sometimes spirit is used in a way. um, I don't know. There's this sort of like lining to the word spirit. That's like, 
superior or like, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to say it, but as if they have like a purview into something that other people don't, which they actually do. But um, like the way they're coming across about it might feel a little weird. Exactly. It, it's almost like it's this, this very different, not normal thing. And when we talk about the, the real root of this stuff, we're, we'll sort of hopefully dispel that myth a bit. Um, but it almost makes it, it's like that flowery language we talk about, like, I don't know, there's something about it I don't love. Now, there's nothing wrong with the term. I think the majority of people who do this kind of work use this term. It's just, for me, I feel such a connection to, like, making everything feel accessible and not making it so, like, strange, but making it more everyday and more connected to, like, our original pagan roots. So I think that's where it comes from for me. So if you're hearing spirit and you're thinking, like, creepy ghosts, try to step aside from that and maybe use the word ancestors, which is what I like to use instead or, or find your own word, see what you're comfortable with. Right. And I think also that we are, this is the work that's been done forever, but it's also the work that's been like closeted and suppressed for so long that I feel like the terminology and the vernacular is always changing. Like I don't, you wouldn't have said a medium 30 years ago or 50 years ago. So like, it's okay if a word doesn't sit right with you or, or a term doesn't sit right with you. Um, but hopefully you can just like get the information you need from this. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Find the word that sits right with you and use it and love it. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. So if you were to go to the Google and try to educate yourself about a medium I want to say something right here because there's this weird like misinformation thing that is in so many articles, clearly not written by people in this world. So like if you're looking on Wikipedia or you're looking in these sort of like non-spiritual-esque places. Right. Muggle places. Muggle places. Perfect. Yes. You're going to see it described, most mediums described that entering a trans- a trance oh. Yeah, stop it. No. You're also going to see it as channeling. Now, that, do some people do that? Do right. Some people to become to communicate do a trance state or channel. Absolutely, they do. But honestly, that's far less common than how people actually do it. So, I just want to put that out there that it sort of reminds me of when we talked about the Claire's. How everyone just says like talks like it's really clear cognizance. Mm-hmm. It's right. sort of along those lines for me, but in this case, like I think there's a much smaller number of people who are actually putting themselves in straight in trance states yes. and really just kind of tuning in. Does that make sense? Yes. And the people that I know that can channel, they don't go into a trance state. They don't, it's, it's, it's a different, it's different. So again, like the wording can be so different and people can be saying the same word and meaning different things. Absolutely. And I'm going to describe like how I see it. So if you're thinking like, well, if it's not a trans state, what is it? I'll get you there. Mm-hmm. But I want to walk you through a little bit more before we get to that point. Okay. There's another word I think that um, would be helpful to, to tell everyone. And this is a very old fashioned word, but I see it being used more lately. So I figured I'd explain it because 
again, if you start down this road or you're in this world, you'll, you might hear this word. Um, so the word is necromancy. Have you heard that word before, Jay? Yes, I have. Okay. So it's, it's using magic to communicate with or raise the dead is the definition of this word. Yeah. Necromancy is like in vampire books, talk about actually raising the dead, like to be reanimated. Yes. And here's, here's my problem. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to just, this is a Heather thing, but I also think it just might be true. So whatever, some people (laughs) don't like this, but (laughs) that's not, that's not a thing. No. Medium is like raising like a dead person from their grave and that like, that's not, no, that's not. No, that's the patriarchal story about it to make it super scary. Yes. And when you, if you, again, just consult the Google without the right resources, you're going to see that mixed in with anything to do with communicating with spirit. And it's going to give you kind of a wrong impression. Right. Exactly. It's also taken the the way they say use magic to communicate They're they're When you really dive into this word, I may or may not have done a deep dive on it. <laughs> Hint I did. Um, <laughs> The real original meaning of this word meant the original meaning of magic, magic with a K. Okay. So do you mind telling people like giving a refresher? Cause we did this in the witchy terms, but like what the, what that meaning of magic is. So magic with a C is like illusion and like sort of trickery. Like what you would see a magician at like a kid's birthday party doing or some like on a show in Vegas, you'd see a magician using like tricks, um, you know, tricks of the eye and sleight of hand. That's actual illusion. Um, That's magic with a C. Magic with a K was just something that people did, you know, as we like to say back in the day, that those are things, magic was what we did to manage energy and to manage our, our bodies and to um, help people around us using the things that were near to us, like plants or um, potions. I mean, even when you, even I don't even like to say potions because it sounds like you're making it like this spooky, scary thing. Potions literally. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, it was just plants made up in tinctures using the earth, using what was around you to help better yourself or heal yourself. Exactly. So the original meaning of this was just using all of that stuff you're saying, using energy, using plants, whatever, Mm -hmm. to sit and to communicate. It wasn't like the magic we think of today. Like, so that's where it comes from. And then, like you said, it gets like diluted and shifted by the patriarchy. But um, that sort of necromancy stuff it'll come up again, but like, that isn't what we're talking about when we're talking about communicating spirit. No, that's not what we were talking about. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we actually had a fantastic viewer question sent in. I want to play that for you here. Okay. Hey, Heather and Jay, it's Laura. I miss you ladies. Can you just share with the group what a little bit of the history of mediumship is where it came from. The fact that there used to be, you know, medium parties and things like that in the olden days. Um, and it was not, it wasn't as frowned upon really as I feel like it is now. All right. So I love this question, um, from Laura, shout out to Laura. Hi girl. Um, hey, Laura. <laughs> so this is a great question because yes, the patriarchy really did 
change the view of mediumship. <laughs> of course, um, they change everything. Yeah. So for centuries, guys, centuries, 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 really, really long amounts of time, communicating with spirit or with your ancestors was just a basic thing that everybody did. Right. It was not something that was considered like super amazing or like it was part of culture. Like if you're, if you haven't listened to our episodes on the Sabbaths, I highly recommend you go back because Jay, I don't think there was a single one that we went over that didn't involve honoring ancestors in some way. Right. Exactly. This was a part of our culture. So if you think back and you try to remove the patriarchal sort of Christian-esque lens that we sort of see, I guess, everything through, but like mediumship through, (laughs) um, and you look back into pagan times, there wouldn't have been like a party. Like there wouldn't have been like a let's go over to so-and-so's home and community have this one person communicate with the dead that wouldn't have been happening you would most likely in most cultures be like as a family sitting around the fire and calling in ancestors and communicating with them and that was just like a tuesday night right exactly this wasn't weird now what would happen back then though is that if you really needed some strong advice and you had like some big thing going on in your world and in your life and you were having a little trouble getting info like you were trying to to get info from your ancestors but you it wasn't super clear you would go to the local witch mm-hmm. which just means the wise old woman in your village. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's all it meant. It just meant like somewhere in your neighborhood was a woman who was like extra good at this because she'd been doing it forever. Not much different than like consulting um, like your grandmother for a recipe, like that sort of energy. You would go to them to get some more clarity if you were having trouble getting a message. I I have such a problem like listening, (laughs) listening to you talk about this. I understand where it goes wrong for people because there's so many parts of what you're saying that the words mean something completely different than what, what actually was happening. You know what I mean? From talking about like honoring, honoring your ancestors. If you say that now, you mean like going to a grave site or, or honoring your ancestors with your own personal behavior, right? It, it wasn't like, and then you say witch, and someone's going to feel like, what? There's no real witches. There's no ladies on brooms. Again, like that's not what it means. So it's it. That's why this is so hard because it's like unpacking the many, 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 sometimes very, very subtle layers of patriarchy that so we have to just find the definitions before we can even know what we're talking about yes and it it feels so important to me to unpack it at the at the jump (laughs) I agree going too far and talking about it before you unpack that stuff is hard and you know it's hard to ask this of the listeners to be like okay now suspend your your perception of this word suspend your perception of this word you know like Again, go back and listen to our witchy terms episode. That will help you a lot. Right, um, right. 
but it's, it's really just going like, I need you to look, I need you to take off the patriarchy lens. And I'm just, I'm going to have to constantly remind you the things that you've been conditioned to believe that were for so long, not a part of human nature. Exactly. All right. We could talk about that for five years, but there you go. Agreed. I mean, really, we actually could. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So patriarchal religion changed that. And it started happening before the witch trials. But if you want like a point in time, and I mean like, so like the witch trials we kind of know started in Europe and then we know them like in Salem and stuff, but they were, it wasn't just Salem. Like it, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Right. Yes. So this was a big, tremendous issue. I, witch trials could be their own episode, so I won't get into them, but that's when this started changing. And so it didn't change that people were honoring their ancestors and communicating with them. What did change is that it went very underground and secret and you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be doing anything that made that obvious. Right. Got it. You wouldn't be like, let, let me, um, have, have, people over and help them communicate. Like you would have to be doing that very secretly with like code words and stuff. Which is what women did. They created code words. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And also as depressing as it is to, to see like it stomped out, like when I think back to that and I think back to like sitting around a fire and just like a normal night would be calling on your ancestors. Like I, I like feel myself long for that. (laughs) Like, it feels almost like I'm robbed of it now. Like, it's not fair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. And But for someone who I don't, I don't see dead people. I am not a medium. <laughs> to me, it feels so, it, it feels hard to believe. I, I fully believe it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it makes me sad that that's been so far stomped out of most of us. Um, and now we're sort of relearning it and calling it back to our consciousness that I don't even know what that experience is like. Like, I feel like you're, you feel like you're robbed of the experience and like feeling like you're one amongst like the people, many people who could do it, like your quote unquote tribe. Um, I don't even know what that would be like. And that's not fair either. Yeah. Don't you think there's like that, that sort of like twofold feeling where like somewhere in your DNA, you can feel that you used to do that and that you're missing that. And not just with spirit. I think that was like just being a woman at all and having connections to other women. Um, But then there's parts of it that feel so foreign that you can't picture it. So it's this weird, it's this weird feeling. It's really hard to describe, but I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought what we'd, talk about next is I just give you a quick just a few a little snapshot of other cultures in their festivals or things that they do to celebrate their ancestors and honor them okay I tried to pick ones that we didn't cover in the in the sabbats but like I gotta tell you seriously I know I keep saying it and I know like we created it but like go back and listen to those if you haven't because that will really help you even after you listen to this one like frame some of this stuff agreed Okay. Um, so China has something called the hungry ghost festival. Oh, now listen to how they describe when it is. Okay. The 15th day of the seventh lunar month. Oh, can we just start talking like that Jay? Because that sounds way more fun than like around September 15th, which is really what it is. But like, I would, I'm just proposing that. Like, can we just talk about 
months like that and days. Yeah. Well, this society is so damn practical that we have to have nanoseconds measured. <laughs> um, Mexico, we did mention this in the Sabbaths, but they have the Day of the Dead, um, which is between October 31st and November 2nd. Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, they have something called the Odo Festival. Uh, Cambodia has something called the Shumben Festival. And Madagascar, I'm going to try to say this, but you got to understand this is like a, a basic white girl trying to pronounce this. Fami Dihana is the name of the, uh, I think I'm saying that right, the Madagascar tradition. Now, I'm just saying this because... <laughs> I'm kind of teeing you up a little bit, Jay, but this, this whole idea that like this communicating with spirit is wrong. This whole thing is only a Christian white person view of the world. There are so many other cultures that don't see it this way. Right. But so you're talking about like the roots of white supremacy. Exactly. 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 I mean, that's what, that's what happens when you have a country that's, based in patriarchal religion. I mean, we can say there's separation of church and state, but there's not really, um, not as much as there should be. Um, and a lot of our government and a lot of things in our society are funded by religion. So, um, the, the reach of white supremacy has gone pretty, it's pretty much rampant here. So anything that's outside of, of those views of, patriarchal religions views is going to be seen as less than maybe not even like wrong, which it is seen, but it's also going to be seen as sort of like subhuman or um, like whatever those racial undertones are, right. That like Mm -hmm. less civilized. Yes, exactly. When they were actually, that's been happening before the religions came and stomped everything out. Exactly. And it's still happening. These are all, all the things I named are things that are still big deals in these countries all the time. And in these cultures. So like you, again, it's that lens that we're asking you to like pull back away from and like look everywhere because this, I don't care if you believe in it or not. I really don't have any stake in that game, but like at least appreciate the fact that so many other cultures are open to this and (laughs) just the small one isn't. Exactly. Yes. All right. I would like to now tell you an old story, a classic patriarchal tale, if you will. Um, And there's going to be a quiz at the end, which you love. It's just a one question quiz though, but you still. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Simply for my own pleasure to annoy you because that is the kind of friend that I am to you. Torture with quizzes. (laughs) So I'm the quiz is one question and I'm kind of setting you up to get it wrong. So like, don't, I don't want you to do like real mental Olympics to try to figure it out. Okay. 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 So this is a story, um, about a King. Are you ready? Yep. (laughs) Okay. So this King is really well known and famous for, um, outlawing any kind of magic, necromancers, witches, wizards, anything like that. He's outlawed from his, where he rules. He's like outlawed all of that. He's like driving it out. You're either being murdered publicly for it, or you're just like sent out of town to die on the outskirts. 
Okay. So not our kind of guy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, and he speaks out against it. Like if he was, if we put him in modern day and he was running for office, this would be the campaign he was running on. Okay. Like he's so well known for trying to stomp this out. Like this is what this guy's known for. Okay. <sighs> I wish you guys could see the face that Jamie is making at me while I'm telling her this. <laughs> Okay. She loves it. She's so, she's so excited about this story. Okay. Mm-hmm. This king is worried, Jay. He is worried because he has an upcoming battle and he's asking the gods for guidance or he's asking God for guidance on how this battle will turn out. And he's not getting an answer. Okay. So he's going through all the channels that like, are sort of allowed in his sort of like religious way of doing this, right? Like he's like, um, you know, cause, cause this witchy magic is not allowed. So communicating with spirit or doing anything outside of like directly talking to God, not allowed. He kills people for this. Right. Yeah. All right. But there, God's not telling him anything and like, you know, nothing's appearing in his dreams He's using different things like religious artifacts and things like nothing's working. So he even consults with a few prophets. He knows they got nothing. Okay. So he's extra worried because a friend of his who's now passed away before he died, he said to this king, um, you're going to go into this battle and your whole army is going to die. And so are you. So that's the only advice he's getting and nothing, he's getting nothing else. So he is shooketh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this is what he decides to do. This is why this is a classic patriarchal tale. Jay. He dons a disguise and goes out to find a witch. (laughs) Oh, isn't that convenient? <laughs> Does it remind you of anything in modern day culture at all? Or <laughs> I, well, well, I mean, it, I was just going to say, like, tale as old as time, right? Exactly. I literally wrote that sentence, "tale as old as time." Down because, yeah, okay. Let me keep going, and it'll it'll still fit into the "tale as old as time" category. Okay, so he's in a disguise, and he he's like looking around going through these back alley channels to try to find a witch. Now, again, suspend your, your belief of, or your view of a witch being like cackling over a, you know, cauldron and using devil worship. That was never what a witch was ever. Um, Just a wise woman who knows how to do these kinds of things. Like Mm -hmm. they're not even allowed to like play with plants in this guy's area. Like not going to work out. So he's, he struggles to find someone. Okay. He finally does. He finally finds someone and she, this person that he's talking to, she actually can see his friend, this, this past guy who gave him this right. Very bad <laughs> prediction of him dying. Yeah. Okay. So she can see him and she relays to the King. She doesn't know he's the King, but she relays to him verbatim the message that his friend gave him. Okay. Clearly she is a very excellent medium. <laughs> Legit. She wouldn't have been called a medium back then. No. Clearly got some skill. 
Okay. Right. So she relays the message and he knows it's definitely right. And she's definitely communicating with him because of the accuracy in which she says, this is what he's saying. He, she repeats what he told her. Okay. But as she's delivering the message, Jay, she figures out it's the king. Oh, okay. And screams. Oh. Now, why she screams is a subject of debate that I found. Again, you know, I fall into rabbit holes. I fell into that one when I was reading about this story. Right. But what we think, based on my, <laughs> like, hour of reading about it, is that she screams because she realizes it's the king and that he outlaws this. And, and she also screams in disbelief at what a jackass this guy is that he, and the hypocrisy of it, that he would do that and it's not allowed. Right. And she just also confirmed bad news. Yeah. Okay. But guess what our girl does, Jay? Stabs him in the throat. I wish she was okay. totally way too empathic. <laughs> that would be, that, I would like that ending of the story better. Um, she comforts him. Oh, he's distraught. He's like flipping out because he's just been told, and by the way, the battle's tomorrow. Okay? okay. So like, he's just like, he's not okay. So our girl just found out that it's this ass. And she's like, and he's upset. And again, instead of stabbing him in the throat, which in my opinion, she would have been totally justified to do. Um, she comforts him. Oh, you know, lovely. And That's it's the who are the bad guys, right? Right. Of course. Okay. So the next day the battle comes, the King and his whole army die exactly as both the, his friend has said, who's passed on and this woman. Womp womp. Yeah. Okay. Here's your quiz. Oh no. I don't know the answer. (laughs) What do you think this story is from? I don't know. Not grim fairy tales. It's from the Bible, Jay. No, it's not. (laughs) Yes, it is. is isn't. Okay. So the King is Saul. Um, his friend who died was the prophet Samuel and the witch is the witch of Endor. No, this is in the Bible. This is in the old Testament. Now, depending if you are reading like a Hebrew Jewish version or what version of the Christian Bible you are reading, this story is either absent. It's removed noted that it's removed, but it's taken out or (laughs) the whole witch part is like, just one line. Like they leave out most of it. Oh God. I shouldn't be surprised by that, but the reasoning they give is that they feel as if it's confusing as to who the hero in this story is. Yeah. To them it is very (laughs) confusing to them. I'm sure it's very hard to reconcile who the hero is in that story for them. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to give you that. I'd set you up to fail the quiz, but you handled it well. You don't seem bitter, um, at least not yet. I fail all of the quizzes. (laughs) But um, I think it's important to be like, hey, guess what? At one point, this was even cool in the Bible. Like this was talked about. And the sort of hypocrisy of this is this is what this story is about. Like if you actually read the story, I I left some of the details out because it would have given it away that it was in the Bible. And I changed um, a few words. But um, 
when you read it, you know that this story is written to show the hypocrisy of this. Really? I love that. Yeah. So there you that's go. Also, that's also like Mary Magdalene, like how they lost her, the, the her parts of the Bible. Exactly. Lost in air quotes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, I also want to talk about um, a, just a little bit about the rise of like the quote unquote modern spiritualism movement, because this is when mediumship becomes a thing. Okay. So this happens throughout the 1800s. I found some info of like spiritual movement stuff in the 1700s as well, but like it really doesn't seem to catch on like it does in the 1800s. Okay. So um, this is the, okay. Well, let me just start by telling you, this is my viewpoint on this. So you're going to find people who very much disagree with it. So I'm, I'm telling you that this is my educated opinion of this time. Oh, they can start their own podcast. <laughs> exactly. um, I think that in the 1800s, this modern spiritualist movement, which you can look back on and feel kind of judgy of, I know I do in some times, but like when you look at it, this was really an attempt to kind of cut down the patriarchy. Okay. It wasn't always done well. And I don't want to get way into it because it'll take too much time, but there was a lot of cultural appropriation that happened like a lot. I, I can imagine. So, but from my opinion that, and this is again, from the lens of a white girl. So I want to be like really open about that. My opinion is that like, it was really done as a way to like band together and try to get out of this like heavy, not separation of church and state thing going on where religion was really ruling, like trying to come out of that. So mistakes were made right? for sure. But I right. really do feel like it, it was from a sort of good place. Does that make okay. sense? Yep, I do. Um, okay. I'm totally open to people disagreeing with that. And cultural appropriation is never okay. Please don't hear it like I'm making any excuses for it. But right. it, this really seems to be born from a real need to like fight back against the patriarchy. Got it. Okay. So there were a lot of important people in this movement, but I have to tell you the story of the Fox sisters. Okay. Now, if you want to go back through history and try to go, where did the idea of mediumship start as we know it now, which I'm going to frame it as like going to somebody to like communicate with spirits and like paying them and then giving you a reading or mm-hmm. going to a show where this happens. Okay. The Fox sisters started this. Okay. Now why there is not a major motion picture about these women's life. I really don't know if any Hollywood producers are listening right now. <laughs> Do something with this story. It's amazing. Wait till you hear it, Jay. Okay, let's hear it. It's so full of drama, and they're kind of like the ancient psychic Kardashians a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about my friends, the Fox sisters. So this is happening throughout the 1800s. They're born in the early 1800s, um, like I think in the 1820s, but I'll, I'll sprinkle in some dates to let you know where we are. But. Okay. Um, there was this was a big family, but the three sisters we're talking about are Margaret, Kate, and Leah, also sometimes referred to as Maggie, Catherine, and Leah. Okay. 
Leah is a lot older than Margaret and Kate, um, but the, all three of them um, have the ability to communicate with spirit. Okay. Um, they become well known in their area because they frequently communicate with spirit in their home through what they call wrappings. Now that's all that is, is like a knocking sound. Okay. So they're going, Hey, is there a spirit here? And if the answer is yes, there's a bang. There's oh, a bang. Okay. Okay, that's the sort of way that they're doing stuff. And they're doing that in their home. And it becomes so well known that people start asking them to come to their homes and do it. And they do. And so this is the beginning of what we sort of see now as like medium parties or that kind of stuff. That's that's started with them. Okay, love it. Um, There is this really interesting part. Now, let me let me let me back myself up because I'm getting so excited to tell you the story. (laughs) depending on the version of this story you read, you will see like a very different opinion of these sisters and what was going on. Okay. Some people talk about them as like the biggest frauds ever. Some people talk about them as this like real legit, amazing three women. Like it's they're heroes to some people and villains to others. It's really quite interesting. So if you've heard this story and you're like, that's not how I heard it. I heard it through this lens. I'm going to tell it to you the way I'm interpreting it and sort of trying to leave you room to get, to make your own opinions. Okay. But I'm going to be honest about mine. (laughs) Well, and that's how most things in society or humanity are told. Like you can hear different versions of every story of every person. Yes. They were incredibly famous when they hit their peak. So I think you've got to also hear this through the lens of like how many different opinions people have of very famous people. Like they're kind of loved or hated. So that's very true for these sisters. Well, and especially about what they were doing in that time was very controversial. So if you didn't like that, you were probably going to be very vehement about it. Exactly. Okay. Um, So one of the things that happened early on for them is that they would communicate with a spirit that was trapped in their house. And so they would talk to the spirit and the spirit, what they would say that the spirit said that he was a peddler. Okay. um, And that his bones were buried on the property and that he was murdered there. Okay. So this became something people love to come to that house and watch them communicate with the peddler. Like this was a real famous part. Now years later, They, somebody, I'm not sure who did it, not the sisters, but they were part of it, um, dug up a part of the yard and found bones of a person. So again, adding to the mystique now, depending on who, (laughs) whose version you read, some people say like, oh, it's coincidence or planted or whatever, Um, whatever. That's pretty elaborate. If you do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, an elaborate to to put yourself in a position of doing something that you could really get in trouble for. Mm, Exactly. And by the time this was actually discovered, the sisters had already made their money off of this story and people coming. So like they didn't need this to happen. They were already doing just fine. (laughs) So keep that in mind. All right. So one of the things that, so Kate and um, Maggie are the younger two. They communicate mostly with the wrappings. Leah communicates mostly through how like most mediums operate now, which she kind of just 
they call it a trance state, but when I'm reading it, like what she's actually doing, she's just kind of tuning into a different frequency. So she talks about doing a little meditation ahead of time. And I think that's why it, it sounds like she's in a trance. I think people confuse that, but that's, it's a little bit different. So you got to think of Leah as kind of separate from the other two. She's part of, of what they do. Um, but she does things a little bit differently and that will come up again later, but that's sort of, she's sort of the mother of this modern day way of doing it. Okay. So these girls eventually end up doing shows. Okay. They end up going on tour. Okay. And this is back in the 1800s. Um, and this is particularly in the 1840s now when they are like really, really famous. So what they do is they have these loud thumps. They're in, um, I don't know what you would, would you call it an auditorium in the 1800s? A theater maybe? Yeah. So they're in these big theaters and spaces like this doing these shows, sometimes outside, sometimes inside. Okay. And what they're doing is using the wrappings. So they'll ask a question and the wrappings will indicate an answer. Okay. The knocks, think of it as knocks. Um, And then Leah would just sort of like go into a state and communicate. Again, they're calling it a trance. I'm not really sure I buy that, but that's what they're doing. Now that actually makes sense though. Sorry to interrupt, but like when you sit, when you explain it like that, when I think about what people do when they are doing their mediumship work, I could understand how that would seem like a trance if you didn't know what was actually happening. Exactly. Exactly. So it's described that way. And a lot of, a lot of the descriptions are like, she's sort of in a trance state. So like, she's clearly like in the room and paying attention. So people started doing stuff where they really wanted to debunk the sisters. So there was this famous time where um, reporters and things came in and like checked under their dresses because you could imagine the 1800s, they're wearing long dresses. They're seeing if there's some kind of device in there making a thump noise. Like, right, right, right. And they never found anything. People, okay. people dedicated their careers to trying to figure out how these girls were, quote unquote, tricking everyone. And nobody ever found any sign of anything, any trickery. That does not surprise me that people dedicated their lives to that. <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me either, but it's also amazing that no one found anything because right. it's, it speaks to the legitimacy in my opinion, because right. this is the 1840s. There's no like iPhone. You could play a creepy noise on like, there's, <laughs> like there's, they're not working with a lot if they are tricking people. You know what I right. mean? And it's also like, how are you producing loud knocks everywhere and not getting caught if people are like really trying to figure this out? Gotcha. Okay. So, um, their, their tour, they're doing three shows a day and doing private sessions in between. My God, they were exhausted. Yeah. And I really just want to paint how famous they were to you. Okay. That's Um, a lot. Yes. Okay. So, this goes on for quite some time, many, many years. And eventually Margaret, um, she ends up getting married. Okay. And this ends up being the start to the end for these sisters. Oh, okay. So, um, Margaret ends up marrying somebody named Elijah Kent Kane, who at the time was a very famous, very wealthy explorer. Okay. All right. Um, 
AKA a patriarchal white dude. Right. Okay. He was 13 years older than her. And depending on how you read the story, he kind of, he really did not like that. She had her own life. (laughs) Why marry her? He did not want her working. And he ended up having her convert to Catholicism. Oh, Margaret. So you can understand that she has to walk away from her career. And she does. That's rough. Causing a gigantic rift between all the sisters. Because this isn't just walking away. This is kind of denouncing it by signing up for like the head patriarchal religion at the time. Yeah, that's a very extreme shift from mediumship to Catholicism. Yes. Kate keeps going without her. Leah is now kind of doing her own thing. She's not like touring and stuff anymore. She's getting older. Um, And so she's just kind of like where she lives doing kind of private readings. Again, she's not, they're not calling them readings at the time, but that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Margaret's husband dies. Okay. And her, his family contests the will and cuts Margaret out. Oh, so Margaret has stopped working, has like denounced her career and is now penniless. Lovely. Okay. Shortly after Leah's husband dies. Now remember Leah is a, is older. So like men dying before women was like, that happened a lot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, um, uh, Kate's husband also passes away. <laughs> okay. Now I looked into this cause I'm like, this seems like maybe a juicy detail. There's no, like there's no controversy that these women did anything because at the time all of them were drifting apart anyways, they weren't really close anymore. So they're all, their husbands die. They all become alcoholics. Uh. Now here's the thing though. They were super, super famous. You got to picture like celebrity for these women and like think of celebrities now and how many of them deal with like substance abuse issues and that kind of stuff. So this is happening to them. So I think that there was already some alcohol issues involved and then the husbands die, you know, our girl Margaret's left penniless. Like this, this is not a good situation. It's a mess. Okay. Margaret is, is so hard out that like there's stories that she's like living on the streets. There's, she has nothing, nothing to her name. Okay. Their sisters all fight with each other. Like it got nasty when Margaret left and like Leah tried to call Kate at one point a bad mother and try to get her kids taken away from her. Like these women turn on each other, unfortunately. Okay. All right. So we got Margaret. She's, penniless she's she's down and out and suddenly she pops up in 1888 and does a show okay except during the show she quote-unquote exposes that they were faking it the whole time and that they everybody and that the way they were tricking everybody is by cracking their toe joints to make the noise margaret (laughs) how dare you now I don't, I have some cracky joints, Jay, but like none of them are going to be loud enough in an auditorium or theater full of people to make enough noise that anyone would really hear it. Yeah. And over and over and over again at the right time. Like gross. I'm finding this hard to believe, but again, depending on the lens, some people are like, yep, see, they were frauds. Like that was enough. Right. People skeptics only need a smidge of doubt. 
Okay. Except that if it turns out that she was paid to say that. So think of her. She has nothing. She can barely survive. And someone says, go do this show and say this and we'll pay you money. Right. That was her lifeline. Right. A year later, she retracts her statement and says it was never true. Yeah, but no one cares at that point. It's too late now. And sort of the reputation of these women are ruined. Um, There's accounts that like when Maggie was on stage that she was very intoxicated. There are some that say she was a little drunk. So like even the people watching were like, oh, what's happening here? This this isn't right. Like, Do you know what I mean? So yeah, tarnished reputation. Don't you think it would be a good movie? Yes, it would be an incredible movie. Okay. Well, I want to I want to tell you some of the people who were big believers and state in their own words that they were big fans and very influenced by these sisters. Okay? okay. Um the first one is uh Victoria Woodhall who was the first woman to run for president. Okay. She actually practiced mediumship after seeing the Fox sisters. She started to learn how to do it herself. Wow. Okay. Um, John Logie Baird, who invented the TV, names the Fox sisters as some of his biggest influencers. Wow. Okay. Um, Sir William Crooks, who is the chemist that discovered the element thallium. Okay. Love it. Um. Graham Bell and Marconi, who created the telephone and the radio, named the Fox sisters as big influencers to them. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and Harry Houdini as well. And he says, now he, I didn't know this about him. He spent a lot of time fighting against fraudulent mediums. And it when you when I first read about it, I thought he was just like really against the idea of people doing this work. But it turns out that he was actually trying to protect it by getting rid of the people who were doing it in a fake way. He was speaking right. out against that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So the I don't know. Maggie sort of gives me early Doreen virtue vibes, like something clearly went on where she got paid to like, she was down and out and she got paid to renounce it. I don't know. Like clearly stuff, she got sucked into a religion. I mean, so you can sort certainly hear that story and think they weren't true or you can hear it and think they were, but regardless what we see now for like medium shows and readings is based on what these sisters did. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. This story needs to be more told, I think. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like it had a great ending at all, but it being a story or it being their profession at all in the 1800s, I think is amazing. Agreed with you. I totally agree. How could it not end in disaster? (laughs) I mean, like at that time in, in that society, how could it not end in disaster? The fact that it exists at all, that they could do what they did for as long as they did and and do it as, you know, as well as they did and be as popular as they were is miraculous in itself. And I think it also speaks to the fact that what people inherently know to be true, regardless of what they're saying or where they're going on a Sunday morning, like, you know, all the people that most of the people that were paying them for their services were in a church pew on a Sunday morning because they had to be, you know, and they would denounce things like that. I'm sure. But they also found themselves seated looking for a message from, from their loved one. 
Um, and I think that that speaks to like what we actually know is true and we, we try to ignore. Yes, that, that sort of dual feeling that we have that we talked about before. Exactly right. I'm with you on that. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. All right. You got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, you should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right. Visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. All right. I thought I, I'd just very briefly talk about like my experience um, with being able to communicate with spirit. Um, yes, please. Okay. I'll keep it brief, but. Um, well, that's what people want to know, Heather, because I think, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you either are a medium or you have some sort of intuitive abilities or you certainly believe in them and you, and there's probably a part of you that would like to be able to have those abilities yourself. Mm. So I think a lot of the people that are listening want to hear like, okay, this is how it started. This is what played into it for so many centuries, but like now how do I apply it to myself? I, I want to do this. How do I do this? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I, I feel like when I do share it, it, sort of has this effect where people, even if it's not exactly how it went for them, they're sort of like, Oh, I actually had some experiences like that too. And like, I like that, that, that means a lot to me that people can hear their own experience. Um, and a lot of people are like, I wasn't sure if that was real or not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And maybe now is another good time to say, like, go check out the Claire's episode that we did so that, you know, what, how Heather perceives energy is not the same way as another medium would perceive energy. Um, and none of it is wrong. It's however your body manages energy. Absolutely. And, and knowing that when you're going to do the exercises I give you in in a few minutes, um, knowing how it goes for you, like knowing which clairs are your strongest or having a hint of that is going to really help you be able to do these exercises because you're going to frame it the way you need it. Right. And then you can understand that, like, if it doesn't happen the way Heather said, you're not doing it wrong or Heather's not lying. (laughs) It's it's that it's different for you. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay. So I'm just going to start by saying there was never a time that I did not have the ability to communicate with spirit. So I didn't like wake up one day or I didn't have a near death experience. Right. And suddenly, sorry, my throat chakra is like, oh, good, the story. <laughs> um, I didn't have a near death experience that started it. And again, I'm not knocking that. That's um, 
that's some people's story. Right. The ones is different. For me, I always could do it, which proved to be a little bit difficult for me because instead of like suddenly realizing I had a, an ability, I was kind of slowly realizing that everybody else didn't. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. So I was basically scaring the shit out of my mother as a little kid. (laughs) Poor Lynn. Love her. She's the best mom. She is the best mom in the whole entire world. And as you know, Jay is the biggest supporter of me and this stuff and doing the stuff that you will ever find. Right. She really is. Um, But back in the early eighties, um, it, she was, it was, she was like, what is happening? And I was just scaring her. <laughs> yeah. She had no point of knowledge about it. No, no references, nothing. Okay. Right. So what was happening for me is that when I would go to bed, I would lay down and suddenly as I was like closing my eyes and I was shifting into the state you go into to sleep, there would be Spirits everywhere. I don't like that word. I never would have said that as a kid. I would have just said people. Okay. So not like not wispy ghosts flying around, like because that's what someone someone just heard you say spirits, and they're picturing like Casper the friendly ghost, like (laughs) floating by your bed. No Casper. No. In fact, never spirits forever. Never look white. I don't know where that ghost thing comes from. To me, it's always like a dark outline. Um, I think that's what's like easy to make in a movie. But like back, back then. <laughs> I always see like the sheets with the eyes and I'm like, who the heck came up with that? Because that's right. what it looks like. Um, and f- as a child, I could see them with my outside eyes in the room. Um, right. And also with my eyes closed, it would be like the same picture. I'm learning now even now in my late thirties that a lot of people when they're in their room at night and they're in bed, you can tell me you weigh in on this Jay. When you close your eyes, they're not like seeing their, the room that they're in, but with other energies in it. Like that's not what most people's experiences apparently. No, it's just black. You just see blackness. <laughs> you see the back of your eyelids, Heather. It's okay. just black. New information to me over a little bit of time because I would I would go to explain to somebody how to do this and I would I would describe that and people would be like what so I again which perfectly illustrates what it was like for me as a kid and still to this day can be like where I realize that people don't see the world the way I do right so but what you were experiencing wasn't scary to you so you never. didn't know you didn't know that it was different until people started you started comparing stories. Exactly. I was never afraid. I was comforted by it. I thought it was great. I didn't know that everyone didn't have that experience with what I would call the people when they went to sleep. Now, also in a wake life, I would like sense them and sometimes like speak to them when I was a kid. But like people sort of just thought I was talking to an imaginary friend. If you have a kid who talks to an imaginary friend, it's pretty good bet that they're talking to a spirit, by the way. But Yes. Got it. Yes. Agreed. Um, and it's most likely an ancestor, so don't panic. Um, but at the time it was just like normal. And then I would tell my mom about the, the people. That's how I would say it. And she would be like, what are you talking about? And like, of course there's that element of like, Oh, she's just like telling a story as a kid. 
until I started to like describe in detail relatives of hers that were dead long before I was born and that I had never seen a picture of before. Right. Exactly. Now you're going to start freaking out your mom when you're like four. (laughs) (laughs) It's not then just, it's not just your imagination. Then you can't write it off as that. No. What I realized, what I learned later was that my mom and my grandmother and aunts were like, like discussing it and being like, Oh my God, she's talking about that person. What's happening? Like, but none of that was happening to me. I was just realizing that mostly realizing that other people weren't experiencing it. And that ended up, it was never anyone's intention to make me feel bad about it, but it ended up making me feel like a weirdo. Like maybe there was something wrong with me. Um, And that like being really young, you're just kind of noticing that people don't like it when you're talking about that stuff. Yep. And, and as, as little kids, you don't, I find myself saying this to my kids, like, why didn't you say something to me about that? I would have, I would have talked to you about that, but you were like, as a little kid, you're just creating narratives. You're creating stories in your head and you don't think it's something that needs to be talked about. So you probably wrote a story that was like, I'm the weirdo around here. And like, maybe be quiet about it. Yep. You know? Um, yes, exactly. And it also, for a while, once I was like around the age of like six or seven, the story became to me that maybe there were the ghosts slash the people that I would see were scary. So then I started to have trouble sleeping because I couldn't get, I still can't get to sleep without my room being full of that. So like it, I suddenly became like doubting of myself and then thinking like, well, I can't get them to go away. That's really happening. Like I never doubted that. Like, is that, is that bad? Because like, I'm also being raised in a religion that's talking about how that is bad. And you're also being raised seeing pop culture and movies and TV shows where it's either bad or it's very strange and it's very scary. Exactly. So little kid me learns to manage this. And I, I have told you this story before Jay, but like I would notice that when my father would come in the room, all of the energy in the room would back up. It would respect him in the room and just back up. And he, I learned later as an adult that he was kind of on purpose doing that, but I didn't know it as a kid. Um, I started emulating that sort of energy so that I could fall asleep so that everything pushed back. And it was simply just a, like, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint the picture, but like uh, a man who's like very confident and, and strong walking into a room and everyone just sort of like respecting him as the leader. That was sort of the energy I started to portray. And I noticed how respectful and how, how everything shifted when I did that. And so still to this day, I do that same thing with my energy. So that was sort of like the way I coped as a kid. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So I get older and the ability to see the people, quote unquote people, um, with my outside eyes it almost goes away completely. And it's only really even still now, like a little shadow or a little something will catch the corner of my eye. That's it. I don't, I don't walk around seeing like white beings floating around. That doesn't happen. It's rare for, for me to even see anything like that's not common. I would just instead sense that there was like energy around me. Does that make sense? Right. So it's not like you're not like the sixth sense, like seeing like, no actual dead people anymore. 
No. And the way that I describe it is that it's almost as if there is a radio station playing that I can hear very subtly in the background that some people either can't hear at all. They don't have access to that frequency or they have to like really deeply focus on it to hear it. Where for me, I'm more spending time trying to distract myself from it. I love this theory. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. You've, we've talked about this before and I, and I love it because it, it, it sort of gives a more tangible metaphor to what's happening. Yeah. And I know, I know there are people that we know um, who shall remain nameless, who also hear that radio station so loudly and they don't know how to manage it, that they turn the entire radio off. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's, I don't know if I'd say common, but pretty close to a common story because it's, if you don't know how to manage it, had I not emulated my father's energy, I wouldn't have started to learn how controllable like tuning in and tuning out can be, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. I also think that for some reason, it's easier for me than it is for some people. And I, I want to say that right here because, I mean, obviously I don't know. I can't jump into someone else's body. I mean, I haven't figured that out yet um, <laughs> to like figure out what it feels like. But based on descriptions, I think that it might just be a bit easier for me. So if you're hearing this and you're like really like thinking you're doing something wrong because you're not managing it, it could just be that it's easier for me or that I just – that tool I created when I was younger, I've just fine tuned it well enough. I don't know, but I think everyone's experience is a little bit different. I also think that this is a good example of how, if you can learn to start setting boundaries in your life, you can then start to apply those to this, this practice. If you're looking to, to do this is that you have to maintain your own energetic boundaries, just like you do in like your quote unquote, like regular life boundaries are crucial. Yes. Um, back when I used to teach this kind of stuff, I would not teach anybody who could not find a way to create a boundary first. If you can't do that and it's not to be mean or because I'm lazy, it's because it's, I don't want to bring that into your life. If you can't manage that, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. That's, that's like the foundation of being able to talk to spirit, um, is to be able to hold boundaries. Yep. Now I think my opinion is that every single person has the ability to tune into this radio station. Like I, I don't think it's exclusive. However, I do think that some people it's easier for than others. So if you're listening to this on sort of the other side of it going like, well, I've never heard that radio station um, and feeling like there's something wrong with you. There's not. It's just probably that you've never framed it the right way. You've probably quote unquote, the right way, a, a way that's, you know, accessible. Um, right. You have some big fears around it could be the case you were taught it was bad or wrong. Like there's so many other elements and it might be something that the experience of doing that for you requires a lot more um, work than it does for somebody like me. I, I mean, I know people who were like you who, and other people who were born doing this naturally and have done it their entire lives. I know people who have set the goal of learning to do this and taking classes and workshops and making it an actual like practice, a goal that they wanted to 
get to. And, and now it's their, it's their job. Yes. And there, one is not better than the other. There no. no, your, your skills aren't better. Or you're not a better medium if you were born trying to manage it, or if you developed the skill later, none of that, like, it's not like that. It really just is how, you know, it happened. I really do think a lot of it passes through our, like our ancestral lines. Um, once I came out of the broom closet, which is what we sort of lovingly call, like letting people know that we do this kind of stuff Right. um, on both sides of my family, a bunch of women came to me and said that they are able to do it too. And that they had similar experiences, but nobody, Jay, I almost, almost to the point that I was a little annoyed that nobody had stood up about it before because before me, no one did. And nothing against anybody who like, I get why you didn't speak up about it. Like, I really do think we talked about Indigo's, you know, a couple episodes ago, like that's part of our job is to get this out there. But, um, I was like, Oh, this is very much in my ancestral line on both sides. So it makes sense that it would be maybe like not stronger in me, but easier for me, if that makes sense. As you're talking, I can't help but think about how there's this sort of, um, like microcosm, macrocosm, or like, if you want the witchy terminology, like as above, so below or whatever, that like, there seems to be this double, like unlearning and then relearning. Yeah. Like as a society, you were speaking about in the beginning that this is what everyone did. Everyone communicated with their ancestors. Everyone tapped into to all of this to help themselves and to help like all, all their whole life. Um, and then they stopped. They had to stop doing that because mm-hmm. they had to stay safe and alive. And so now it's like we're, we're culturally, societally, globally relearning this. And I also feel like that happens to a lot of us as human beings in our own lives. Like we are born very intuitive. And then for whatever reason, something happens, you see a ghost in a mirror and it scares you. And so you turn that all off. And then as you get older and you are in a society that's becoming more progressive and more open to this, then you are doing like another relearning. So like we are relearning during this like planetary relearning. Yes. And actually I'm getting kind of choked up while you're talking about this. Yes. I am. I, my eyes are teary because what you're describing, this wasn't something I was even going to say, but now I can see that I need to. Beyond just that, we're taught so much to filter ourselves that like, even for me, someone who's pretty outspoken about this stuff, I have trouble not filtering everything for people as if, you know this about me, Jay, but like, as if I have to manage all of, of how I present anything that I pick up to anybody. Right. Agreed. Um, And I'm not alone in that. And the reason I'm saying it is because it's such a freaking heavy weight of burden. And it's, it's from exactly what you're talking about. Like you're trying to relearn and you're trying to bring it out, but like in order to get somebody like a message or to, to tell somebody something that I've picked up, whether it's from spirit or somewhere else, right. Just intuitively, I have to jump through these like hoops to figure out the way to bring them the information that they can actually receive it. 
and it's because and it's so frustrating and it's because we live in a society that's conditioned us all to think it's wrong or bad or to like think that maybe someone's trying to trick you by bringing you information like this and so it just it gets me emotional because like i feel the weight of that for everybody when you're someone who has those abilities and you know people are going to judge you or, or hear it wrong. And you're just like, it's just how I am, man. Like it's really, it really sucks. And that would be normal back then. Yeah. Like we would just normally pass on messages like that. We would help each other through the messages and downloads we received. And now it's, it's not only something that could like not be taken the right way, but like someone could decide they don't like you that like you could end a relationship by, by giving a message that you get. I mean, it's, that's a lot of pressure to hold. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have, I don't want to, I don't want to go like deep into this, but like, I just want to say it because I know it's not a unique experience for, for people like me, but like I have memories of people being really awful, trying to actually kick me out of my church. I mean, like Mm -hmm. saying really awful things about how evil and like devil work. And like, like I have such trauma from that. Um, and from just anyone religious not liking who I was. And I wasn't, I mean, what they knew about me was like the baby version of anything. And it, it was really tough. So like, if that's your experience too, I just want you to know, like, I totally feel for you. And if you have someone in your life who's that way and they're trying to talk to you about it, like try to give them a little extra support about it because it's really difficult, you know, to grow up in a world like that. Right. I feel like you're constant. I feel like, and I'm like, as I said, I'm not a medium, but even just doing energy work or doing, you know, whatever it is that I do. Um, I feel like we're constantly always like having to explain ourselves or sell ourselves or like rationalize what we do. And it's like, it's exhausting. So exhausting. I agree with you. I don't want to sell, I don't want to sell what I do to you or like to feel like make you feel like what I do is okay. I don't, I don't have the time for that anymore. I'm too old. This is why I stopped doing mediumship, what you're talking about, because it felt to me like I was trying to put on a show to prove that I could do it to people. And I hated that. Now I'm not saying anything against people who do those shows. I love that. I go to people who do that. I think it's fantastic. It was just for me, I mean, it's not my purpose. Like, I'm certainly not the kind of medium that's like, I mean, I know mediums that are a million times better than me. I was never interested in like proving anything. So I I don't think I ever did it showy enough for people. (laughs) I hated that part. That's why I would stop because like, I hated having people sit with their arms folded and stare at me and like, or like, say like, you know, what's like to work with the devil or some, some really uneducated, ignorant shit that I was just like, I I don't have time for this. So anyone who's out there, who's a medium, the shit that they put up with and still overcome and do their work, like they deserve a high five in my opinion. They do. And, And also I've seen mediums do like really profound healing for people. I know it's fun to go to like your friend's house and have like a group reading. I I get that. Like there is some sort of like show factor to it. I'm here for that part too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I like like just that part, but I also know people who have seen mediums and worked with mediums and have experienced like actual healing um, 
through grief that they've been feeling. And I don't think that you can underscore that enough. It's a fantastic point because our culture does a real shit job about grief. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. So the, like the fact that mediums can do that, and I think most mediums, the ones that I really see who are really crushing it and doing a good job and who you know have a pretty good following, like that's why they do it is to help people move through grief, you know, and, and to sort of like see it like, you know, life, it doesn't just end, you know what I mean? Like that whole thing. So it's, it's a beautiful thing in my opinion. Me too. I think now might be a fun time to play um, some clips from people. So we asked people who were able to communicate with spirit or ancestors, if they would um, send us in some clips to sort of explain what it was like for them. So I thought maybe we'd play a few now. What do you think? Yeah, I want to hear because I know it's so varied. Yeah, it's, it's different for everyone and it's not meant to be the same for everybody. So, you know, if you're hearing one person and you're like, oh, that, it's not how it is for me. Maybe you'll connect with something that somebody else says, or maybe it's completely different and unique for you. All good. All fine. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's play some of those clips now. Okay. So my name is Kylie Beswick. I am a spirit medium. I also read uh, tarot and oracle cards and my Reiki master, and I do all kinds of energy work and readings. Uh, mediumship for me has been increasing in the past couple of years. The way that it comes into me is sometimes in colors or symbols or loved lo- someone's lost loved ones will show me images or um, relay feelings. Um, or show me a landscape sometimes, and music also seems to be a very big uh, literal medium for spirit energy. Sometimes I will hear songs that have lyrics that have messages in them for uh, a client or myself, um, often for other loved ones for me, but that is a big way that spirit does tend to connect with me. Hi, my name is Michelle Cundis, and I own Readings by Michelle. I am a spirit medium and intuitive and teacher. And for me, connecting with spirit is really such a humbling and such a gift. Connecting with energy that is so filled with love and light and information and compassion. I think too often people are afraid of it. Um, They're afraid they'll be judged or whatever else is rolling around in their heads. But for me... It's about opening your heart to unconditional love. And some some folks, that's scary. But spirit isn't scary. Spirit's awesome. And so are angels and guides and all the other information out there. So take a chance. Open your heart. Spirit's cool. Hi, this is Danielle Hughes of Axiom Wellness. I'm what I call a blender psychic medium. I receive information from spirits, angels, and guides in a variety of ways. I channel and interpret messages from those in spirit via tarot or oracle cards during Reiki sessions, meditation, and dreams. For me, I just know and feel what a spirit is trying to tell me, as clear cognizance and sentience are my strongest clairs. I also physically feel how someone has crossed over. Oftentimes, I will feel a heaviness or a tightness in my chest for respiratory issues or anxiety. If someone has passed away due to substance abuse, my nose gets intensely itchy. I'm often drawn to certain items within the cards I'm using as a way for the spirit to get its point across. You can find me at axiom-wellness.com or on Spotify under Axiom Wellness. Hi, my name is Heather Key, the owner of JLJ Spiritual Healing. 
The question I was asked is, um, how does it feel to be a medium? If you were to ask me this about 13 years ago, I would probably tell you extremely scary, intimidating, um, and at times paralyzing when you do not understand your abilities. But after I've harnessed them, I can tell you mediumship is amazing, healing. Um, I never take for granted the fact that I have this ability that at one point in my life I wish I didn't have. I believe being a medium and being able to help others heal is a true blessing and a gift, and I honestly cherish it. Weren't those awesome, Jay? Like, I love all the different ways and descriptions of it that people had for us. Yeah, I loved it. I think it um, it makes me feel like there's a lot more freedom in it, like that it doesn't just have to be one way or you're doing it wrong or it has to be this way, which I mean, I mean, in all of our episodes, like that's the, that's the patriarchal way of seeing things, right? Like yes. one way something done like you this way and that's the only way this procedure protocol mm -hmm. intuition doesn't work like that exactly intuition does not work like that exactly right. yeah um all right so i have um a few i have two exercises to give everybody to to wrap up okay. our episode here um that you can try both you can do one any of it's good um but the first thing that i want you to do is it's sort of a meditation so Again, I feel like we're referencing like so many episodes, but if you haven't listened to our episode on meditating, I think it would be helpful if you're new to this because you do not need to have a completely blank mind and float around the room for an hour to meditate. That does not need to happen. <laughs> I just mean no. take some quiet space to, to like visualize this. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go into a trance. No, no trance required. <laughs> Okay, so what I want you to do is to picture just like a movie screen. Okay. So you're you're meditating. Now you're gonna hear as I'm describing stuff that I am clairvoyant, meaning that like I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. If you are one of the other clairs, just convert this into your speak. All right. Change it being more of an audio thing or a sound thing. Any of that stuff is fine. Okay. All right. So you're gonna picture a blank movie screen in front of you. Okay. So there's a movie screen. It's completely, completely blank. And you are going to do one of two, like I'm going to give you two options. I encourage you to try both, but here's the different ways you're going to do this. Okay. Focus on the blank screen. You are the, you're watching the movie. You're not the director here. You're just allowing stuff to come in. A lot of people, when they're trying to get messages from spirit, they kind of um, bungle it up by trying to like force it or create it where you really just have to put your yourself in the space of receiving it. Does that make sense? I do that every time. <laughs> and, and that is the moment where your ego will jump in and go, you're doing it wrong. You screwed it up already. You suck at this. So just chill, go back to the trance. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you do this and you get nothing, that is so normal. It's totally yeah. fine. Try again a different time. I, I right. do this and get nothing sometimes. And I'm not saying like I'm the best in the world, but I'm just saying like I'm very comfortable with it. I don't doubt it. Right. So that's okay. Okay. This You're going to feel good no matter what after you do this. So if you don't get some big messages, it's okay. The first version of just focusing on the, the blank screen, 
um, that I want you to do is to start by just saying any ancestor with any message. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to say the word ancestor here instead of spirit. And if you're someone who usually uses the word spirit, I'm still going to ask you to use the word ancestor to see if it's a different experience for you because language is incredibly important. And no matter what and who you are, the word spirit probably has a lot of stuff tied to it. I want this to feel kind of basic for you. Okay. And that's what you know on like a DNA level is ancestor. Exactly. It's not spooky. There's no, there's no magic with a C. There's, it's not, it's just you creating space and saying, if any ancestor has any kind of message to deliver in any form right now, I'm open and here to watch. Okay. You again, substitute the word, listen, whatever you, you want to do. If you're not sure with your clairs, you can, you can mix it up and see what happens. Okay. Now, when you're looking at the screen, you're just watching the screen to see if anything starts to play. You're not directing it. You're not forcing it. You're just waiting. It will happen. And then you will doubt it. You'll be like, maybe I just invented that. It's a whole thing. It's going to happen. Just let it play. And then you can doubt it after. Okay. The other version is to, when you start, as you're staring at the blank screen, call on a specific ancestor. Okay. You want to talk to to grandma. Great. You want to talk to great uncle so-and-so. Fantastic. Now, if you're new to this, pick somebody you knew when they were alive to start. That was going to be my question. Like, could you say like ancestors like hundreds of years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is so fun and wild to do. And I totally encourage it, but it's harder because there's, it's so much harder to like conjure up, um, like a connection with somebody that you don't directly know. Like if you've done, maybe you did like ancestry.com and you've done like a bunch of reading about someone, then it would be easier. But like the easiest to do is someone that you had a connection with while they were alive. Makes so much sense. Okay. Then what you want to do here is important if it's somebody specific. Now what you want to do is try to picture what it felt like to be in this person's presence. Okay. So how did you feel? Let's say you're you're connecting to your grandma, Jay. How did you feel when you were with your grandma? That's what you want to think about. And you want it to be honest. You don't need to do a romanticized version of what it was like. Because yes. it probably wasn't always super fun and spiffy to be with grandma. Maybe it was. I don't know. Right. But you're recreate. You want to call that energy in. So it has to be authentic to what the experience was. Yes. Now, also, you want to try if you want to bring in a memory here, if you're, you're having a little trouble pulling that in because you're like, what the bananas does that mean? Think of their energy like that's not language for you. Think of a happy memory. If right. you get to the point where you start getting really sad, your frequency is going to drop too low and you're not going to be able to get a message. This is such a good point. Everyone rewind it and listen to it again. Now, if you're feeling emotionally happy at thinking of the person, that's not going to, that's not going to mess you up. That's actually a high frequency state. Very healthy, very good. Sadness is not unhealthy, but the frequency drops and it's going to be way harder to get anything. So don't think of like the moment they passed and you, you know, screaming and wailing and and tears. That's not going to (laughs) help. Right. But I, an example of what you mean is the good kind is that I would think about my grandmother and how she used to bust my chops all the time. And that 
not like a happy, like, oh, I love you, granddaughter. Not that, but the 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 energy of that moment to me makes me feel happy remembering that. Like the real day-to-day stuff with this person, what that was like. And if you can conjure up laughing when you think about it, you're really going to increase your chances of, of being in the right state to get something. Um, so like I said, you can do it with just any ancestor, keep it open and see what happens. Um, now typically spirits come through one by one. Okay. Because, um, whatever, that's a whole other lesson, but there's usually like a spirit who just like claims themselves the leader for you and sort of like guards the door and like lets people in one at a time for most people, that's the experience, but it's not, everyone doesn't have the same experience. So if you try that and you get overwhelmed, just use some language about like one at a time, please. Or like whatever you feel the strongest lean into that. So there's like a spirit bouncer. Mm -hmm. That was a thing. I love it. If you go to a medium, most likely they will tell you who that is because that's who we would tune into first. That's who, that's the first person I want to talk to. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. All right. So try that. And then what I encourage you to do is just take some notes about the experience. Even if you're not someone who loves to journal, just write it down because you'll be amazed at how quickly you forget. Always journal. Yeah. Write it down. You can do this driving in the car if you want. It can be an eyes open experience. Just make sure it's something you can manage and drive at the same time. Like maybe don't start doing it that way. Right. And I also think that if you do it while you're driving and obviously you're not putting yourself into into a place where you feel like really sad or like really energetically or emotionally overwhelmed. Sometimes I feel like driving is a good, good place because you're not so in your head and in your ego about it because you're, you're driving and you're focusing on driving. Exactly. Doing it like when you're driving or when you're taking a shower or a lot of times I'll do like a little check-in when I'm getting my coffee in the morning. It's not like so focused is actually sometimes easier. Yep. The other exercise I have for you is one that I came up with that I'm calling the leave a message exercise. Oh, okay. Um, I do this at the beginning of every week. So you're just going to take a deep breath. You do not need to enter a trance state. You do not need to be in meditation, but you certainly can be if you want to. And you're just going to imagine sending like a beam up out of your head, up into the wherever, the divine heaven, I don't know, whatever you want to call up into another frequency. (laughs) Your choice. Your choice of words. Send that up. Imagine you're leaving a voicemail. Okay. And you're going to say, Hey, and you can name a certain spirit or what I do is just any of my ancestors who are banging around. It's Heather. I'm always open for messages. This is particularly what I'm working on right now or have going on in my life. If anyone has any advice, or wants to give me a sign just that they're around, I would love, I would love it. And then sometimes I'll be like, I'd really love a sign in that has something to do with a feather or something. Like sometimes I'll add something, sometimes I won't. That you're you're making it harder for them if you get too specific. But I'll sort of say that and then I'll just like imagine, okay, thanks, bye, beep. And then I will not focus on it. Yes. <laughs> and then I will I sort of imagine like they're gonna call me back at some point. And just throughout the week, I try to watch like, oh, there was that person's callback or, ooh, and there's like little messages or I feel them or I see something like suddenly, um, you know, someone will show me a picture or someone will post a picture on Facebook and it's like, you know, my, my grandfather or something. And I'm like, oh, there's their message. 
And then it just becomes like less pressure and more like you're just trying to observe the things that they're doing for you. And you're open to receiving it because you've asked for it and you've let it be on their terms. Mm -hmm. And I think you also raised a really good point. And some people are not going to agree with us when we say this. But when you say like, show me a black feather so that I know that it's you for sure. Some people will be very mad that we said that because some people are taught that that's exactly how they should do it. Right. What I will say is, if you're going to be very specific like that, you need to be open to the ways in which that can come to you. So, cause this happened to me. This is, this is how I started doing that. I'd be like, I don't see any, I was always looking all over the sidewalk and all over the ground, like looking for a feather, <laughs> a black feather. If you want to be super specific about it, a black feather could be in a painting that you walk by or on the cover of a book, or you could hear a song about a black feather or someone you know, like that could be someone's Instagram handle is like black feather 72. <laughs> that like, <laughs> I don't know. Go look that up. Yeah. Wherever you are. Hello. Um, <laughs> But, but be, you can be specific, but be open inside of that specificity. Yes. Someone could even say to you, oh my God, it's so weird. I found a black feather today. That's your freaking message. message. Yeah. And, and being, being super specific, a lot of people are taught to do it that way. And I think it's because it really proves stuff. And I think that's why you don't like it, but it's also being really difficult. Like a lot of people will say like, I kept asking, you know, my dead grandma to blink the lights four times, you know, at a, at a three second interval. And she didn't. And I'm thinking like, oh, and, and I'm not really trying to make fun of them, but I'm just saying like, in order for a spirit and you to like connect and like hear each other's message and get it requires a ton of energy on their part. Like, right, right. And if they were not super into this stuff while they were alive, it's going to be a lot harder for them to figure it out on the other side because you don't really, you don't like magically become like a spiffy ghost that can, you know, haunt people's homes. That's not real. So like if your super uber religious grandma doesn't right. like, don't give her a super specific thing. That's probably not easy for her to do. You know what I mean? Like keep that in mind and don't say black feather, just say feather that black feather is too specific in my opinion, or just say nothing. You know what I mean? But more to me, like, like a feather is a certain sign from somebody for me. So I might put that out there because it's happened before and I've known it was them. Um, but like, like coins, if you find a coin somewhere randomly, that spirits love to use that blinky lights. They love to do stuff with that. Like those are all common signs, dragonflies, butterflies, birds, anything with wings. Uh, they don't become them. People ask me that all the time. Um, they just are able to manipulate them to, to fly by you or something. <laughs> I also have another tip, which is, I think, amazing since I'm not a medium. But <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> this I know from personal experience as being someone who's gone through grief a lot mm -hmm. in my life. Um, I've been to m many mediums, mm -hmm. many who have been incredible. Mm -hmm. I want people to remember that spirit, the person you loved in life is how they are in spirit. So when I was seeing a medium and I really wanted to hear from my father, mm -hmm. it never showed <laughs> up it became very frustrating for me. And I was taking it like actually personally, like that he didn't like my feeling, let's just say my feelings were hurt. Yeah. And what people, what then I, then I started to like work with 
um, better mediums, I guess, like mediums that I connected with more. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would say to me, like, your father's here, but he's just like hanging out in the doorway. He's just sort of watching everything. He's looking on, he's nodding his head when he agrees, but he's letting, he's letting your grandmother talk. That was my father. Yeah. My father wasn't a showman. He wasn't, he didn't love the spotlight. He didn't want to be the center of attention. So like, why was I asking him to like put on like a circus sideshow for me? That's such a beautiful, beautiful point. And, and to, to like add to that from the other side of that, when people come in and they're like, Hi, I would like to talk to this one person. It's, it's like, it's, I don't have a phone number. Like I, I'm not, there's no like yellow pages. I just dated myself. Um, sure did. <laughs> I, there's no uh, Instagram search handle that I can use. Right. right. I can't, I'm going to try to tune into that if I can and look for that. But if their energy is not the kind of energy who would have been into speaking to a medium while they were alive, they're not going to come running with a bunch of messages. That's just right. not going to happen. Now, if you have someone who you're like, oh, my God, my grandma always comes through and she would have never been into it. She actually probably was open to it. She might not have done it, but she was more into that. She probably communicated with her dead parents or something like right. Exactly. She just didn't say so. In the same vein, like the energy that's the strongest for the other person is what's going to really come through. And strongest doesn't mean that the person who loves you the most, right? The person who's just um, better able to do this. Same as like some of us are better able to do this on this side. Some spirits are better able to do it on that side. So excellent points. And I'm not even sure that the mediums you saw were better, but they were probably just better at explaining that kind of thing. Right. And I probably connected with them more or, um, or they had more experience yes. in, in what they were doing. Exactly. All right. I want to, I want to wrap this up with one more thing that I want to say, and it's okay. controversial. Shock. Yes. Shocker. Yes. Okay. This is my personal belief. A lot of people don't agree with me and I'm so respectful of that, but I want to put it out on the table. Okay. okay. Um, I don't think it's very responsible for people to walk up to someone they don't know and don't have permission to uh, read and start giving them messages. I think it's a really awful idea. And there's this thing in our culture and it happened more like when you and I were growing up or I guess when I was in like college where it started, the shows about mediums started coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them showed the mediums like walking into a restaurant and giving someone a reading just as they walked by because they were so pulled by the energy. Um, I loved those shows. No hate for those shows. I happen to know someone who had a show like that. I'm not going to even name drop it because I'm not that person, but you'll just have to trust me. (laughs) They will tell you, you can confirm. Yeah. They will tell you that that, was very staged, not the fact that they were doing the reading, but it, they already asked permission. You just didn't see that on camera. None of nobody that I know that has that ability wants to walk into a restaurant and give random readings. Um, and it's a, the reason I'm saying it is because I want you to know that that's not real life. So like really strongly consider making a rule for yourself that unless somebody asks you to, or unless you feel like it's an emergency for some reason, you don't just give someone a message. 
Mm, yeah. Consent is always important. <laughs> Even if it's something that you feel like is going to be super helpful and comes from the most loving, like heartfelt place, you don't know how it's going to catch that person. And they might not be ready and they might not feel comfortable or safe to be feeling that vulnerable to hear that message. Yeah. You know, exactly. As a person who does a lot of work with people in repairing how they view intuition and opening their own doors for this, I can tell you that a lot, too many people come to me kind of traumatized by that experience because you don't know what you're saying to someone. So I'm going to give you a quick example. I've changed right. details so that I don't reveal who anybody is, but um, I had a client come to me incredibly upset because a medium had she was not, she was in a job that wasn't a medium. She just also was a medium. Okay. Okay. I can't reveal the job because it will get the details too close. She's doing a different job that this person had hired her to do. Okay. She gave this message. I want you to know that your uncle is here and, and on your dad's side, you know, it's your dad, like in this beautiful message, unprompted, unasked, just launched into the message at this girl. And this girl came to me. She hadn't slept in four days she was distraught. She couldn't eat. She was not okay. Okay. The girl who received the message. Right. What was wrong? Um, she had an uncle on her dad's side that abused her and sexually like, like molested her. Oh no. And so she's out in the world and someone just starts talking and she thinks it's that person. And she's like, Oh my God, that means that he's around me all the time. She became so afraid. Oh no. So I, I, tuned in, even though that's not really what I do anymore, but I did tuned in and realized that it was actually her dad's friend. Oh my God. Another guy that was like an uncle to her, her whole life, who was the person who was coming through. I helped her see that and stuff. But my point is with the best of intentions, I think the person who said it had like such good intentions, sent this woman into a tailspin that it took me many sessions to get her back from. So just keep that in mind, right. fellow mediums, that like you don't know what you're what you could stir up and you don't have permission. And I don't know, spirits don't have a lot of tax sometimes. I'm gonna tell you, sometimes I'm at the grocery store and I lean by you to grab something and I hear you know, somebody like dead grandma say like, Hey, tell him to drink less. Like, I don't think I'm going to say that to a stranger in the grocery store unless I want to get punched in the face. Like you, they don't, you, they don't have discretion like that. So right. that's my tangent. That's my state. A lot of people very strongly disagree with me, but um, I, I feel strongly about it. Just ask permission. And I will say as someone who loves to receive messages from the great beyond you, you all have, my permission. You have my consent that <laughs> yeah. if you hear something from my dead dad, you let me know. Absolutely. And I, I will also say that if that happens to me, it happens to me all the time. Um, and it's not just with spirit. It's just any message. I always just say, make that person come up to me. And if they come up to me and say something, it seems random or ask me a question. There's my, there's my little permission. And I still ask permission at that point, but I'm not going to run around and chase people to give a message. No. That's weird. No. No, don't force yourself on people. Exactly. All right. That's all I got for you about mediumship. That was a lot. What do you think, Jay? No, I loved it. Thank you, first of all, for your expertise and your, and your hard work on like the stories and the history. I think that that's something that people never talk about. It's like you're just talking about like your own personal dead people, your own personal messages. Um, I think it's really exciting to hear like how this all came about. Agreed. And 
you know, I'm just saying, if you guys think maybe you were one of these sisters in a past life, I would love to know that. I was oh, I sure if I was, and I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I was either. I wanted to be. And if you're, if you're a Hollywood producer, because I'm sure a lot of those listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. um, give us a call and we'll consult on the movie. We sure will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and also give us feedback about if you tried these exercises and how it went. We would love to hear that as well. Yeah, like comment on our Instagram page, or you can also leave a message on our website. You can leave like an actual voice message. Um, we would love to hear it. Awesome. Thanks for doing this with me, Jay. Happy uh, communicating with your ancestors. Yes, thank you, Heather. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Thank you.